Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. The breeding season is coming up and with cows in low body condition after a tough spring, fertility expert Stephen Butler explains how to get cows fit for breeding. It has been a difficult spring. I mean, it's been a tough time since, since turnout. Um, poor grass growth, poor grazing conditions. But, but for the cow, the big effect here is going to be on a herd level, poor body condition score. And we know from a large body of evidence in Ireland and elsewhere that body condition score is a, is a key driver of, of fertility. So it's going to delay cows resuming cyclicity after calving. It's going to uh, delay the, 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 the restoration of normal uterine health. And in the breeding season, we would expect that that's going to be a knock-on effect on conception rates. Is there anything we can do in the next couple of weeks to ensure that our cows are fit for breeding? Yeah, it's getting late now to have a big effect on, on improving cow fitness. But um, I mean, the, what you can do is identify those cows that are thin, let's say less than, less than or equal to 2.50 condition score and do something to improve the status of those cows. So maybe preferential feeding for those cows, maybe once a day milking until they get bred, but something to improve their, their energy status. Uh, again, at a herd level, the earlier you can identify the non-cycling cows in the herd and, and take, take action to get them uh, cycling, get them inseminated, and also identifying the dirty cows. I mean, those dirty cows have a uterine infection. It's going to take, it will eventually resolve itself, but by, by intervening now, you can accelerate that uh, uterine recovery and improve the, the condition, improve the conception rates for those cows. And you mentioned uh, dirty cows or cows with infections. Uh, would it be beneficial to, say, scan the cows in the next week or so to identify any issues? Um, so it depends, again, on the herd situation, what the, how big of an advantage a pre-breeding scan would be. So most of the herd are likely to be okay. That's the good news. The benefit of pre-breeding scanning is to identify any cows in the herd that require some intervention. So that will be anestrous cows cows that are not cycling, you identify those. If they're calved more than, say, 32 or 35 days and they're anestrous, you can intervene with those cows and get them bred 10 days later. Uh, if those cows have uh, evidence of a uterine infection, you can treat them then, allowing time for those cows to, to have another period of recovery before the breeding season begins. So you're, you're, you're improving the likelihood of conception in those cows. Um, in terms of pre-breeding scan, if you, if you have good records, you can utilize those records to identify the cows that are most likely to require an intervention. So your cows that had, a, had an issue in the immediate postpartum period, whether that's, for example, milk fever, ketosis, retained placenta, metritis, any of these cows are at greater risk of not being cycling and having poor uterine health status. So if you can identify those, if, you're, if you've been doing pre-breeding heat detection, there's probably some cows in there that have not shown heat but are actually cycling, knowing that it is useful. So you're, you're reducing your number of cows that, that require an intervention. So pre-breeding scanning, there is a use for it. It should be targeted at the, the cows that are, from your records, known to be at greater risk of having a problem. And, and you mentioned non-cycling cows or anestrous cows. What steps would you take to get them back into the system? So we've done a, a number of studies over the last 10 years looking at different synchronization protocols. Uh, and we have one that works quite well for, for non-cycling cows. So it's a 10-day protocol. So if, if, you're, if you're a pre-breeding heat detection or a pre-breeding scan identifies uh, non-cycling cows in the herd, you can take action early. These cows need to be at least 32 days calved before you would intervene. But on that day, they get an injection of GnRH and insertion of a, a progesterone device. So the progesterone device is either a cedar or a prid. Seven days later, you come back to the 
those cows. They now get an injection of prostaglandin and the progesterone device is removed. And 56 hours later, so two and a half days later, at the evening milking, an injection of GnRH, and then 18 hours later, the following morning, fixed time AI. So you start with a non-cycling cow today, and 10 days later, she's been bred. That's the advantage. The big advantage of, of um, what we call the progesterone offsetting protocol is it finishes with the cow being bred. And even if they don't hold, if they don't conceive to that insemination event, it's likely to kickstart the, the, the system, the cow will become cycling, and she'll repeat uh, you know, 21 days later. So the cow has potentially two insemination events in the first three weeks of breeding, whereas if you did nothing, she might not, got, might not have got bred at all. And then when we just consider for the next two months or so, uh, two to three months, um, we're in the middle of the breeding season and feeding is quite important and we can't underestimate the value of minerals. What minerals are important during the breeding season? So, I mean, cows have a requirement for for a variety of different macro and micro minerals every day. So, so the breeding season is specific because we've we've some knowledge, I guess, that some minerals are particularly important for fertility. Um, but the main trace minerals that that we know are important in Ireland are copper, selenium, and iodine. Uh, in large parts of the country, the grass that grows is is inadequate for those minerals. Um, again, in some farms, there's also uh, low P can be an issue. So low soil P results in low grass phosphorus concentrations, and and that has implications for cow fertility as well. So it's important to know what's going on. You know, um, know what's the mineral nutritive value of the grass that's growing on your farm, and use that information to identify the appropriate supplementation strategy. Um, this is an ideal time to actually do it. You know, the, 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 during the second rotation, when grass is starting to, to, to grow fairly rapidly, that's a good time to, to, to assess the mineral status of the grass and you know, identify what's going on in terms of the mineral nutrition of the cows. This year, because of the high levels of concentrate going in, that's probably, in most cases, uh, supplemented with minerals. Cow status going into the breeding season should be good, but you know, when, once growth rates pick up and, and farmers are trying to push down the supplementation rates again, there's a risk of, of mineral deficiency creeping in. So, so the, the key thing for farmers to, to, to start doing is to become aware of the, the mineral value of the grass that they're growing. And you mentioned uh, copper, selenium, iodine. What are they driving within the cow? So they're, they're driving many different enzyme systems in, in, and, and hormone systems in the animal. And some of these are, are important for lots of different processes in the body. So, so, so if they're affecting reproduction, they're probably also having a negative effect on milk production, immune function. But, but the, the end phenotype that you'll see is that cows are not going in calf. They're cycling irregularly. There are poor conception rates, greater embryo mortality. Um, and none of these are terribly specific for one mineral. So if you see this happening, you, you can't put your finger on it and say, well, that's definitely copper. You need to do some investigation and come up with the appropriate supplementation strategy to resolve that. When we consider the optimum time for AI after heat detection, we see a cow um, expressing heat this morning. When should we AI her? The optimum time to inseminate a cow, and, and this is known from, from large studies where, where the exact timing of heat onset has been recorded, the optimum time is 10 to 16 hours after heat onset. So that, that after that first true mount of, of a heat event, 10 to 16 hours later, that's that's the highest conception rate um, in those animals. That's kind of impractical. I mean, that, that's a six-hour window that even if you were doing it, you'd be inseminating groups of cows four times per day. So it's not, it's not really practical to do that. Um, originally, cows were inseminated based on uh, AMPM rule, which was she's in heat this morning, inseminate her this afternoon, or she's in heat in the afternoon, inseminate her the following morning. And 
that has largely been replaced with, with uh, insemination once a day. And, and if farmers are on a technician service, it's almost guaranteed to be once a day AI. And when we consider the overall picture of fertility, what are the most important fertility parameters, in your opinion, to achieve a high fertility status in the herd? Um, the biggest driver of the compactness of your breeding season is going to be the submission rate. So you got to you have to hit that target three week submission rate of ninety percent, and that's that's going to be difficult for a lot of farms. If you've got a spread out calving pattern, that makes it more difficult. You know, if if, if you've a lot of cows calving after the middle of March they're highly unlikely to, to get bred in the first three weeks without you taking some, some form of intervention. So the submission rate is the key driver of the six-week and calf rate. That's the proportion of the, the, the lactating herd that go in calf in the first six weeks of the breeding season. And that clearly then has a, has a knock-on effect for the following spring in terms of the six-week calving rate. So, so the target is 90% submission rate in the first three weeks. Your conception rates to each one of those services of 60%. If you can keep that up for the, the second three weeks of the breeding season, you're looking at a six-week and calf rate figure of over 75%. And when you add in the heifers the following spring, you're getting that target six-week six calving rate figure of, of 90%. And I guess, you know, in the last uh, year or two, there has been an emphasis on the six-week calving rate and the financial benefits of getting um, the 90% and reaching that target. And finally, if we consider after breeding, so we're going to start breeding in the next two weeks and, you know, maybe 60% are going to hold to first AI. After that, how can we best manage our cows in order to support the establishment and maintenance of pregnancy? Yeah, so we mentioned at the very beginning the importance of body condition score. So we know that body condition is important for for both conception rate, but also uh, ma maintaining that pregnancy. Um, so, so trying to make sure that cows are on a on a rising or stable plane of nutrition during during the breeding season, that's going to be a tough one this year, um, r now and and possibly into the into the breeding season. Um, long term, there should be a plan to to select on, on the fertility subindex, and and farmers have made huge strides there in the last ten years. But we know also that the fertility subindex has a has a big impact on. Uh, onset of cyclicity, uterine health, um, submission, conception, and embryo mortality. So that's a, that's, that's a, a critical one for the long term. Um, again, we mentioned the, the role of interventions. So if you can intervene early with the cows that are candidates for treatments on your farm now, you're going to give them a better chance to, to go and calf early during the breeding season. Um, and, and in particular, for the first... For, for that period of AI usage, you know, a real thorough focus on heat detection and accuracy of heat detection. That's, that's really critical. That's great. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Emily. That's it for this week's episode of The Dairy Edge. And my thanks to Stephen Butler for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.